Please turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. John 10, beginning in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me. Because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ... Tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them. Out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you and I praise you for the shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep. That the Lord Jesus is such a shepherd that makes any other shepherd look so insignificant. Lord, that he is the glorious, the good, and the best shepherd. Lord, show us the shepherd tonight. I pray that you would shine forth, O shepherd of the sheep. That you would shine forth in all your glory that you would attract souls to yourself. Lord, be glorified in our midst tonight. Be merciful, and I pray that I would honor you. Anything that I say, Lord, that 
that you would prevent me to say saying things that dishonor you or confuse your people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tonight, we will be looking at the subject, the, sh- the shepherd and the sheep. The shepherd and the sheep. When I lived in Africa, we had certain things that you would see every day, such as men driving bicycles down the road with charcoal on the back, or young boys herding cows and goats down the the middle of the highway. Well, the Lord Jesus in his day in, in first century Israel, I'm sure there were shepherds and sheep all over the place. And this was a common illustration, a common everyday life situation that would be a great picture that he could grab onto that actually comes from the Old Testament that he can bring and teach spiritual realities about himself. Pastor Clarence has been preaching on the shepherd from Psalm 23. We won't get to that right now. We're focusing on John chapter 10. But as we know from Psalm 23, it's in the Old Testament. Another passage that reminds us of that is Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11 where the Lord says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. The Lord is the shepherd. So there's these Old Testament pictures. Another Old Testament picture is in Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34 and verse 23, where Ezekiel had been complaining of the... The Lord had been complaining of the shepherds of Israel. The leaders of Israel were failing the sheep. They were abusing the sheep. They were misusing the sheep. And the Lord said, no, I will take away these shepherds and I will shepherd my sheep. I will feed my sheep. I will lead my sheep. And then he says in verse 23, and I will set up one shepherd over them. And he shall feed them Even my servant David, he shall feed them and he shall be their shepherd. So when Jesus is saying in in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, he's not just saying some sentimental thing. He's not just saying some, like we see a picture on um, on a funeral paper, like something to make you feel good inside. He is saying, I am the Davidic king. I am the Messiah who was promised. I am the Lord God Almighty. He is saying something very significant. First of all, in John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus gives this parable, this story. And the story starts in verse 1 and goes to verse 5. And he, he tells the story without saying, I am this and identifying that, but just telling how it is how it is with shepherds, and how it is with sheep. Then he explains it in verse 7 through 18, and again later in verse 25 through 30. Rather than looking at it verse by verse, I want to look at it in a different way. We will look at five things that are true about the shepherd. Five things that are true about the shepherd from this passage. And then... Three things that are true about the sheep. Who is the shepherd that Jesus is talking about? Do you know this shepherd? And are you a real sheep? These are good questions to ask as we look at these truths together. First of all, we see that the shepherd, Jesus says, calls and leads the sheep. We see that in verse 3 and verse 14. It says in verse 3, To him the porter openeth. Jesus is giving this picture or this story of the shepherd. And the shepherd is coming to the corral, 
to the enclosure that is by the house. And in that corral, in that enclosure, there's sheep from different folds, different shepherds, and each shepherd comes and calls his sheep. And they'll call the sheep with special calls, special names, and a special voice. And each sheep knows its shepherd, and it knows what shepherd is going to call. And he will follow only his shepherd. And there's a guard or a porter or a sub-shepherd, we could say an under-shepherd, who is there at the door. And so the shepherd comes, and then the main idea that we'll look at is the shepherd calls in verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. The shepherd has a call. The shepherd makes that call known, and he calls his sheep, and they come. Just like when you want to call your dog, if you have a dog or a cat or whatever, you have a name for it, and when you call it, it recognizes your voice, it recognizes your intonation, and it recognizes its name, and it comes. Well, he's speaking of sheep here, and the sheep did the same thing. And the shepherd calls his sheep. How does the shepherd call the sheep? The shepherd calls his sheep First of all, in an outward call through the gospel. The shepherd calls his sheep. As we, we know, the Lord Jesus told his disciples, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As that gospel call goes out to every creature, the shepherd is calling his sheep. As that message goes out, look unto me, and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. As that message goes out, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and you will find rest to your souls. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. That call comes out to each and every person that is exposed to the preaching of the gospel. It's the general gospel call. But the shepherd does more than that. And we see that in, in verse 3. It says he calls his own sheep by name. It's a general call, but it's also a specific call. It's a personal call. It's a call that comes to an individual. It, a call that comes with individual power it's a call that comes with inner power by the spirit of god and we call this the effectual call the call of the spirit within the heart calling your name not that you'll hear your name being called but that the holy spirit comes and works with the word and with the word he clinches that deal he makes that promise effective he in, empowers that word which apart from the spirit would not bring life so the spirit comes and with the word works life within the soul, enables us to respond. And the Spirit says yes to the Word and enables us to respond yes to the Lord in submission and obedience. The, the shepherd calls his sheep. But the shepherd does more. He sh in the same, th the same line, the shepherd leads the sheep. He calls the sheep to himself. And then he leads the sheep. The shepherd is the leader. And he is the king. He's the ruler. He's the guide. He shows the way. He doesn't just drive his sheep in front of him. But he goes ahead and shows us the way that we should go. And he leads his sheep. He is our leader. The second thing that we see here is that the shepherd gives abundant life. 
And we see that in verse 10. Here in the beginning of, of verse 7, Jesus is saying that he is the door of the sheep. He's comparing himself to that door of the enclosure. It could be a wooden door, or it could actually be a human door, because shepherds would sleep at the door to guard the way for any intruders. They would have to pass over the sleeping body or maybe waking body of the shepherd. So the shepherd is the door as well as the shepherd. Jesus is the door as well as the shepherd. And he compares himself to all that ever came before him. He says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Here he's not saying that Moses is a thief and a robber. He's not saying that Abraham is a thief and a robber. He's not saying that David is a thief and a robber. But he is saying that anyone who claims to be the shepherd is a thief and a robber. Which we can see in Ezekiel chapter 34 as the Lord complains that the shepherds are abusing the sheep. They're misusing the sheep. They're tearing up the sheep. There are shepherds who are false shepherds. And Jesus is pointing here to the Pharisees, that they are the blind who are leading the blind. If you look just back a few verses in John chapter 9 and verse 39, Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words, and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto him, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. This is the context of this passage. This is the context. He is confronting the blind shepherds. He is confronting the false shepherds and saying, No, I am the true shepherd. I am the rightful shepherd. I am the, the, the true shepherd real shepherd. So the shepherd gives abundant life. He says, I am that door, and if you enter by me, you will be saved. What a wonderful blessing. You will go in, you will go out, and you will find pasture. You will get the, the, the rich green grass. You will get that flowing, cool, still water. You will get the blessed land and the blessed life. You will have abundant life. Verse 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The Lord Jesus compares himself to the thieves and the robbers. The robbers and thieves, he told us in the original parable, come in the wrong way. They don't come in the front door. They come in the window. They come in the other way. They come in the wall. They come underneath. But they come somehow in a way to take advantage of the sheep, to steal, to kill, to destroy the sheep. Because they're all in it for themselves. They're in it for their own advantage. They're in it to destroy the sheep. The Lord Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. More abundant life is found in Christ. We're not just talking about having the nicest yacht or the biggest house or the nicest clothes, or the biggest bank account. We're talking about a relationship with Almighty God. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about forgiveness of sins. We're talking about life in the Spirit, joy of the Lord, peace that passes understanding. We're talking about the blessed life. Pastor Clarence has been talking about it and, I mean, preaching on it and not just talking about it. But just to get look back at Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the abundant life. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, the abundant life. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is David saying? In the shepherd is abundant life. That's what David is saying. And he goes on to say in Psalm 103, In the same vein, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You see, to have the shepherd is abundant life. It doesn't matter if you have the world's gold or the the world's toys or the world's fame or applause or approval. If you have the shepherd, you have abundant life. The shepherd comes to provide. He comes to protect. He comes to prepare. He is the shepherd prophet. He is the shepherd priest. And he is the shepherd king. And he is the rightful shepherd. Jesus is emphasizing that here in this passage, I believe, that he is the rightful shepherd. These others are false shepherds. They're illegitimate shepherds, but he is the only true and rightful shepherd. Follow him and none else. Thirdly, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He gives abundant life, but he specifically gives his life for the sheep. And we see that in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life. For the sheep. The shepherd to give abundant life is a great blessing, but for the shepherd to give his own life is such a greater blessing. The shepherd was not afraid to count the cost. The shepherd was not a hireling. Some of you might be familiar with the story of the boy who cried wolf. It's a story that emphasizes truthfulness. And the boy, of course, was telling a fib or, or making a, a show to the men that there was a wolf when there was not. But we know when the wolf came, and we're not telling the whole story, but when the wolf came finally, what happened? The boy runs away. He tells the men they get back there. They don't believe him. They get back there, and the sheep are dead. Why? Why did the boy run? Because he was a hireling. Because the sheep did not belong to him. Because he didn't really care about the sheep. The sheep, the shepherd owns the sheep, the true shepherd. The true shepherd knows the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. He knows which ones he called. He knows which ones he's leading. He knows his sheep. He knows which ones he's laid down his life for. The shepherd knows his sheep. And verse 17 says, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And this is one of the things that the father loves about the shepherd. One of the things that the father delights in the shepherd Four, because he lays down his life for the sheep and he takes it again. The shepherd has authority or power to lay down his life. The Lord Jesus, he has authority or power, he did, to lay down his life for the sheep. He said in verse 18, No man taketh it from me, But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. 
This commandment have I received of my Father. So we see the self-giving nature of Christ's sacrifice, that it wasn't just taken from him without his approval, but it was actually his deliberate substitution, his deliberate submission of his life to the Father on our behalf. The shepherd, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. The shepherd would need to expose himself to risk and to sacrifice for his sheep. David talked about when the, when the bear came and when the lion came and they came at him and he would come against them with the sling and take them out by the name of the Lord of hosts because David had faith in God. But Jesus is talking about something more deep and more moving and more powerful than this. He's talking about the, the shepherd as the sheep are being about to be slaughtered that he stands in the gap and sacrifices, substitutes himself for the sheep. This is something that most shepherds do not do. This is something that most shepherds are not prone to do. But Jesus, the good shepherd, has done. You see... We don't just have a small problem. We have a major, life-threatening problem. The problem with man is not just the world. It's not just the flesh. And it's not just the devil. The problem with man is the wrath of Almighty God against sin and against the sin that we harbor in our own breasts. The problem with man is that we are rebels against God and that we deserve eternal separation from God in hell for all eternity. You say, how could a man like me deserve because I am just a small man, I am just a simple person, I am not a great big sinner. I'm just done some things, you know, like some words, some deeds. How could that deserve hell? You seem to be blowing it out of proportion. But we need to take our eyes off of our own sin and look at the one whom we have sinned against. The one whom you have sinned against is infinite, infinitely good, infinitely loving, infinitely holy, and infinitely righteous. He is the Almighty. He is the one who has made you in His own image to bring glory and honor to Him, but instead you have defied His own name. Your sin is an affront to the glory and the majesty of God. It is a striking in His face. It is treason. It is murder. It is ungodding. God, it is trying to tear God down from his throne if it could be done. You see that sin, when we see it in light of who God is, sin is really serious. And it deserves an infinite punishment because it is a sin against an infinite God. Even if it's a lie, a sinful thought, a sinful word or a sinful look. Sin, the wages of sin, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The surprising thing for us should not be that the wages of sin is death. But the surprising thing should be the way that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That should be shocking to us, that God in His infinite justice and holiness should devise a plan, should devise a way that the shepherd would die for the sheep. 
This is why the Lord says in Zechariah 13, verse 7, in verse 6, starting in verse 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn my hand upon the little one. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, And I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them. I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. How can we have a relationship with God since we are severed, separated from him by our sin? How can we know him? It is because the shepherd was smitten. It's because the shepherd was struck for our sins. The shepherd gave his life for the sheep. This is a wonderful truth, a wonderful truth, but it's not all. It's not all. The story's not done yet. Because go back to your picture of the shepherd and the sheep. If the wolf is coming and the shepherd throws down himself and the wolf eats the shepherd, what's the wolf doing next? Devouring the sheep. That's not happening in our story. Because Jesus said, I lay down my life, but I'm going to take it again. And that is our fourth point, that the shepherd is alive. The shepherd is not dead. He died, but he's not dead anymore. He is alive. The shepherd is alive. Verse 17, Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power or authority to lay it down, and I have power or authority to take it again. I I don't have power to decide when I'm going to die, and I definitely don't have power, even if I died, to take my life again. Actually, all men of great men of religions, leaders and founders and famous men, they're dead and they're not come back. Confucius, Buddha, Muhammad, they're dead. Stalin, Hitler, Mao Zedong, the great men, Julius Caesar, Augustus, the pharaohs, even the presidents, George Washington, whoever you think of, the great men, they're dead. They have not come back. They had no power, no authority, no right, no privilege to come back from the dead. And Jesus says, I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Jesus is saying, all of these are false shepherds. I am the true shepherd. I have the power to bring my life again. You see, if he had laid down his life for the sheep, but not come back, from the dead. We would have no confidence that God had accepted his sacrifice. But because he is risen from the dead, we have absolute confidence that God has accepted his sacrifice, that the guilt that was poured or laid upon him and he, as he suffered there upon the cross, that that guilt was satisfied. Because of his sufferings, because of his death, that it's all finished, even as he said, it is finished. And as Paul says in Romans, he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. 
The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he said he was. It proves that his work did what he said it would do, and it proves that God accepted his work on our behalf. He is not a dead Savior. He is a living Savior. He is risen, and he is alive forevermore. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, no, man, no matter what men may say. Throughout the book of Acts, the, apostle, the apostles, as they preached, would bring up the truth, not just of Christ who died, but also of the resurrection. Acts 17, 31, Paul says, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. You see, the resurrection of the dead was something to be mocked. The next verse, they mock it. It was not popular. It was not like cool and hip and part of their culture like it is for us. You talk about the resurrection around this time period, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They thought it was crazy. But Paul said, this is essential, and I have to say it. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds the the Corinthians of the actual contents of the gospel. And he says here that the gospel can be boiled down to, to two or three basic points. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I declare, delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What is the first thing? Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Secondly, that he was buried. And thirdly, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Three points, Paul's Gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again according the third day according to the scriptures. A clear, simple gospel. Of course, we can bring other truths in. We can bring other things in. There's other things that people need to know. But this is the basics of Paul's gospel. The resurrection was essential. The shepherd is alive. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. He is alive. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. God can work in us, and he can work in us because Jesus is alive. Our whole sanctification is based on the resurrection because of the new life that we have in Christ, because of the Spirit of God. It's all based on the resurrection. Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. But this is not all. This is not all. The shepherd does more. The shepherd died for his sheep. The shepherd gives abundant life. The shepherd gave his life for the sheep. And the shepherd is alive. But the shepherd keeps or guards the sheep. You see, if the shepherd was dead, we would think, well, how can we make it? But the shepherd is alive. The king, the Lord, our our prophet, priest, and king, he is alive forevermore. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And we have confidence that we will make it to the end. But not just confidence in, in general, but we have his word. And I want to look at that. The shepherd keeps his sheep. In verse 28, he says, And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 
Notice he says, I give them eternal life. Eternal life is, how long is it? It's a long time. Actually, it goes beyond time because it goes into eternity. It's not eternity itself. God is eternity himself because he was from ages past, from eternity past to eternity future. We do not have that. We, we, we had a beginning. But because of God's grace, not because of something inherent in us, but because of God's grace and his love for us and his commitment to us, his covenant love, he says, I will see you in eternity. I will see you too eternity. He says, I give unto them eternal life. This life does not end. This life is forever. It has no cessation. It is the blessed life. It's the beatific vision, seeing God and being like God forever and forever. We partake of that now in part And we will partake of it fully in the future. If we are true believers, if we are his sheep, he says, I give unto them eternal life. And then he says something further. He says, they shall never perish. Remember what the thief does. The thief comes to steal, to take, to kill, to destroy the life of the sheep and to destroy all hope and all, anything, happiness, to destroy life around us. And we've seen that in our lives as the thief comes, the thief of the world, the thief of the flesh, and the thief of the devil. They've come and they've, they've taken, and they haven't given back. We've seen false teachers, and they've done the same. We've seen false religions. And it it has done the same thing. Trying to serve God by our own works. It takes and it takes, but it never gives back. Jesus says they shall never perish. This is the opposite of to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, I'm going to make sure that you make it to the end. They shall never perish. Uh, The sheep might, might have a broken leg. The sheep might get sick. The sheep might lose a tooth. The sheep might lose some wool. The sheep might get one of its eyes poked out. The sheep might have pains and the sheep might have troubles. And the sheep will have troubles. But he says, don't worry. They will never perish. Never. Then he says something further, neither neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Each one of these statements is stronger than the rest. It's it's building. It's, It's accumulative. It's saying, if that wasn't good enough, let me give you something bigger. So he's saying, no one can get you when you're in my hands. No one can get at you. You're safe and secure. In the hand of Christ, the believer is safe. Then he says, my father, which is gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. The Lord Jesus has given us a clue in, in, in verse 30. He and his father are one. Essentially, God the Father, God the Son are one. Jesus Christ is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is in his deity. He is eternal. He is immutable. He is infinite. He shares the divine essence with the God the Father. And so we cannot say that in, in a sense, we cannot say that God the Father is, is different in essence than God the Son. But in in the way that God the Father, in in his administration, in his economy in which he applies and is involved in our salvation, there is a different work that he is said to do. 
and in the work that Christ has come to do as man, as the Messiah, as the mediator, as the Son of God, as the, 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 the incarnate Son of God. He voluntarily humbled himself and became a man and submitted himself in every respect to the will of his Father. And so as the God-man, there was none greater than Christ, but yet the Father was greater. And he submitted in everything to the Father. In everything that the Father said, he did. He humbled himself. And he said, the Father who gave them me is greater than all. So if you can't be separated from my hand... Just imagine, you're not just in my hand, but you're in the Father's hand too. And in those, that twofold grasp of the Father and the Son, the true believer is safe for eternity. This is what this message, this, this, this is what Jesus is saying in verse 29. This, is, this, this should provide great confidence and great peace to the true believer. This is not to comfort those who are not true believers. This is not to, to just comfort their hearts and, and make them think, oh, I'm okay, if they're not walking like sheep. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, about what sheep are and what sheep do. So it's not, a, it's not a, a simple comfort for you no matter how you live and what you do. But it is true that the shepherd keeps and guards his sheep. He keeps his sheep in the path. He keeps them from the path of sin. 1 Peter chapter 5, I'm chapter 1, verse 5. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 1, 5, yes. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Kept by the power of God. What an encouraging word. We cannot keep ourselves, but kept by the power of God. Enabled to persevere. Enabled to press on in the Christian faith because of the power of the shepherd. The book of Jude, that little, little book dealing with the common salvation, dealing with contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints because of the false teachers that had come in. Jude says in verse 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. God can keep you from falling. From falling into sin. From falling into false teaching. From falling into division. From falling into selfishness. From falling away from the faith. So, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He looks at all these different things. He says all of these terrible things that happen in life, they can't separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Well, we've looked at the shepherd. There's so much more we could talk about the shepherd from this passage, and I've not done justice to the passage. But the shepherd does these five things. The shepherd calls and leads the sheep. The shepherd gives abundant life. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The shepherd is still alive or is again alive. And the shepherd keeps or guards the sheep. But I want to ask today, are you? A sheep. And do you know the shepherd? Because this shepherd, if you don't, if you're not a sheep, he's not your shepherd. So what are the sheep? And we have three things. Three things about the sheep. The Lord Jesus here is not saying, be a sheep. He's not commanding us, be a sheep. He's telling us what sheep are. He's not saying, so much come to me as a shepherd, though I think it's implied. But he's simply telling us 
I am the good shepherd. What are the sheep? The sheep, first of all, hear the shepherd's voice. Remember the first thing about the shepherd was that he calls the sheep. And he calls them by name. And the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. We see that in verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. The, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice when he calls. It's not just an auditory experience. It's not just, oh yeah, I heard um, Pastor Jeff preach a message on the conscience, or I heard Victor preach on the shepherd. That was something you heard, but you didn't necessarily hear it the way the sheep hear. The sheep hear in the sense that they distinguish this voice from other shepherds. They recognize that voice. They know that voice, and they recognize it, and they respond to it. This is the difference, that the sheep hear the voice, and they come out of the fold to the shepherd. Have you heard the voice of the shepherd? Not a word like Samuel did in the night. Samuel, Samuel, probably not. But God can do anything. But typically God works through his means of his word and through preaching. And as you read the word, as even in your personal devotions or your family devotions, God can work and God can speak. And God can speak into our hearts, not by an audible voice, But that call, have you heard that call and have you responded? Secondly, the sheep follow the shepherd. We see that also in 3 and 4. To him the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. The sheep follow the shepherd. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for They know his voice. What a blessing. The sheep follow the shepherd. The sheep follow the shepherd out. Out of the world. You have that picture of Christian in Pilgrim's Progress as he runs out of the city and runs down the road to follow the shepherd. To follow the voice. To follow Christ as he had told him through evangelist. Do you see that yonder wicked gate? Wicked gate, run, and there you will find life. Follow the shepherd. Follow him out of the world. Following him in, we are called to follow in his steps. Peter said. John talked about the 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 ones who were, who followed the Lamb whithersoever he went doing what he does. There's that book, not not a perfect book, but a good concept, that book by Charles Sheldon, In His Steps. The idea that was popular some years ago, people would wear it on their wristbands and T-shirts, what would Jesus do, WWJD? Now it's not popular anymore. I don't know if it even stuck. But the idea we should follow Christ as believers. We shouldn't follow a fad. We shouldn't follow a t-shirt. We shouldn't follow a wristband. But we should follow Christ. The true Christ. The Christ of the Bible. Follow in his holiness. Follow in his love. Follow in in his love for the world. And follow in his love for his people. The sheep also Know the shepherd. And we see that the third thing in verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. He says the sheep know the shepherd. So there's a a knowledge, an intimate knowledge that is shared between the shepherd and the sheep that is not shared between others. So he compares this to a special knowledge that is between God the Father and God the Son. He said, as I, notice, as the Father knoweth me, in verse 15, even so know I the Father, 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. So he's comparing that intimate knowledge that God the Father and God the Son have. He says, somehow he has involved us in that intimate relationship and that intimate knowledge. And he says, as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I know my sheep, and they know me. So it's not just, I know the shepherd, I know about the shepherd, I heard about it in Sunday school, I heard about him, you know, in the, in the sermon, and I know he has, you know, all this stuff. It's not the facts, it's a relationship. It includes the facts, but it's more, it's an intimate relationship with the shepherd. It's a recognition of the shepherd in our lives and a trust in the shepherd. He says in verse 26, Ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. The Jews did not believe him because they weren't his sheep. They didn't recognize him. They didn't acknowledge him. They didn't trust him. And they didn't have that intimate relationship. They didn't believe him. They didn't know him. There was the Messiah standing right before them. And they, the Jews who had been trained in the Old Testament, trained in the Messiah and trained in the prophecies of the Old Testament, they missed the boat. They missed the Messiah who was right in front of them. They rejected him. So in application... Do we know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Do I know the shepherd? Do you know his voice? Has he called you? And are you following him? If you know him truly, you are safe. And I encourage those who do know the shepherd, who are the true sheep, who have heard his call, who have trusted in him, who died for them as their all in all, to continue to follow him. Not to throw in the towel, but to continue to follow him, to continue to spend time in his word, to continue to commune with him by the spirit in prayer, to continue to follow the pastors, that, the under shepherds that he's given to the congregation, to the, to the sheep to love the shepherd, to trust the shepherd, and to thank God for the shepherd. In other words, to follow the shepherd, to worship the shepherd. I also want to warn us that we can be mistaken. It is possible to think that you are a follower of the shepherd when you're really following another shepherd. It's possible to think that Jesus is your shepherd when he's not. Maybe it's Satan who is your shepherd. Jesus said to the Jews, you are of your father the devil and the works of your father you are doing. It's possible to have the the thief as our shepherd instead of Christ or the thief as a false shepherd, not the true shepherd. With the doctrine of easy believism that is being preached today, that man can be saved by simply saying the name of Christ. Notice Christ doesn't say, my sheep say my name. He doesn't say that. They do say his name, but he doesn't make that a mark of the sheep. But too often the mark of a professing Christian today is, oh, I'm a Christian, I, I love Jesus. And they're saying the name, but not following the shepherd are we following the shepherd i want to say you are following someone today you're either following the world the flesh or the devil or something else or you are following jesus christ is he your shepherd is he mine let's pray Father, I praise you and I thank you for Christ, that he is the true shepherd. Father, we have failed 
we are indeed. Lord, weak and helpless worms, on thy kind arms we fall. Lord, we are sheep in need of a shepherd. We cry out to you, thanking you for giving us a good shepherd. I thank you for Christ. I thank you for all that he has done. I thank you for his glory, his love, and his self-giving sacrifice. Lord, that he is not dead, but he is risen from the dead. I pray, Lord, for these dear ones, Lord, that you would encourage their hearts, those who are trusting, those who are sheep. Lord, those who are still wandering sheep, loving afar to roam, not loving the shepherd's house and not loving his fold. Lord, woo them by your cords of love. Lord, by your spirit, draw them to Christ. Be glorified in our midst tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please stand for our benediction. And we'll be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May God be with you till we meet again.